telepathy, the seemingly instantaneous transfer of ideas from one individual to another, communication that transcends the speaking, writing, or signing of words, experienced firsthand by those who have encountered extraterrestrials, Sasquatch, or who have had near-death experiences. Is this advanced form of transmitting information reserved only for more advanced beings? Or is this simply a long-forgotten skill that's available to all of us right now? Consider these things and more on this episode of The Supernatural Explorer. Supernatural Explorers, welcome to episode 30, Understanding Telepathy, an important skill for paranormal seekers. If you are interested in communicating and interacting more with the paranormal, or just interested in becoming a better communicator, period, this promises to be an enlightening episode. I mean, how great would it be if the next time you encountered anything, paranormal or otherwise, you have the skill to communicate with it telepathically. First, let's cut to the chase. While more advanced beings are known to communicate using telepathy, this skill is not exclusively for them. Sure, if you're into the paranormal at all, that is where you hear about most people's telepathic experiences. Listen to enough extraterrestrial abduction stories and you'll quickly learn that most, if not all, of the communications between ETs and abductees happens telepathically. Listen to enough Sasquatch experiencers, and you'll notice how many feel psychically influenced, directed, or talked to by the Sasquatch. And read about enough near-death experiences, or NDEs, and people will say how loved ones on the other side angels, even God, spoke to them telepathically. But you don't have to almost die or be freaked out by an unexpected paranormal encounter to experience telepathic communication. I mean, even when I first told Jen I was thinking of doing an episode on telepathy, she immediately responded, oh, I have something for you, and forwarded me an email by a woman who telepathically communicates with animals. The email was titled Animal Communication 101, what it is, how it works, and why it will transform your life. It was back from October 2019 and advertised a free four-video series by animal communication expert P. Horsley. Unfortunately, when I clicked on the link, it said the free video series was no longer available, 
but I did quickly find a YouTube video featuring P. It was from the December 2018 episode of a show called That's the Spirit with host, medium, Julian Jenkins. On that episode, P talked about how she became an animal communicator and what she is talking about and describing is telepathy. And not just face-to-face telepathy, like what happens with NDEs or abductions, but over distances as well. One of her first big cases that got her on the news and increased her notoriety was when she telepathically communicated with a lost dog that would have died had the dog not shown her where to look. And the dog did this by sending P images and sensations seemingly through the ether. Hearing P talk reminded me of at least two different times I telepathically communicated with animals. Though at the time, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Now it all makes sense. The first time it happened was about 15 years ago. Jen and I were visiting her parents in Florida and I was excited to see a small lizard in the house. It was on the wall in the TV room. As a kid, whenever we went to Florida, I'd always try catching the little lizards so I could take one home. Closest I ever came was getting a tail, which it cleverly detached from itself to escape. They're fast little suckers, and I felt bad after causing the loss of a tail and I stopped trying to catch them. While I used to be interested in finding them to keep them as pets, I heard Jen's mom was only interested in finding them to kill them. Yeah, most people don't want unwanted pests in their house. Concerned about this little fella's safety, I walked over to it, hunched down, and started talking to it aloud. Now I know talking out loud isn't telepathy, but it certainly is if something doesn't understand a word you're saying, but totally understands what you're communicating. I told the lizard that as long as it was in the house, its life was in danger. And if it jumped into my hand, I would escort it outside to safety. And with that, I put my hand out. Even to my surprise, promptly, that little guy jumped right into the palm of my hand and sat there patiently while I did as promised. My next random animal communication happened at our house after our cat Little had already become very good at killing anything smaller than him. He often brought us unwanted gifts of dead mice, birds, and squirrels. We never had a need for mousetraps or poison. Little always, unfortunately, got the job done. Except once. A mouse, probably in trying to escape certain death, somehow found its way into our heating ducts. At night, we'd occasionally hear its little footsteps running across the metal. One night, we were watching TV downstairs with our friend Sue, and we all heard the pitter-patter of the mouse in the duct above us. I went over to the nearest vent in the ceiling, and I peeked in to see if I could see anything. Looking right back down at me was a cute little gray mouse. So naturally, I started talking to it. I said, hey little guy, you're lucky to be alive. If our cat finds you, he will kill you. You wait here, I'm going to go get a screwdriver so I can remove this vent and get you out of there. I'll be right back. 
I went to the garage, grabbed a Phillips head screwdriver and a cardboard box, returned to the living room, and the mouse was still there in the exact same spot looking down at me. So I unscrewed the vent, lifted the box up to it, and told the mouse, look, just jump into this box and I'll take you outside to the front where you'll be safe. Then just stay out of the backyard, okay? Jen and Sue were laughing at me by this point, totally looking at me like I was crazy. I could see the mouse was hesitant, but he was still there, still looking right at me. So I encouraged him a little more, and then suddenly, he jumped into the box. Good job, Marty, I said, praising and naming him at the same time. Then I took him out front, and he walked away free. Now, while both of these stories were amazing to me, especially at the time they happened, they are not that surprising because they both speak to the ability of animals to telepathically understand us, not us telepathically understanding them or others. And we already know that animals are way more intuitive than us. But since we are also members of the animal kingdom, Shouldn't we be able to tap into these same abilities as well? I think it would help here to break down what actually happens during a telepathic communication. And to do that, it's helpful to understand what happens during a regular communication. Here, I have to give credit to Elon Musk. Hearing him on the May 7th episode of Joe Rogan talking about his company Neuralink and the brain-computer interfaces they are working on definitely helped to clarify all my thoughts around this. Elon had actually talked about mind-to-mind communication, communication without words, where he was discussing the possible future capabilities of computer brain implants. And I felt like he was reading my thoughts. Often thought about how words are such a watered down form of communication, how they fall short of portraying all the emotions and intentions behind them. A great example think about how when people have very profoundly beautiful and uplifting experiences, like NDEs and going to heaven, they often say, I don't even have the words to describe it. Words just aren't all that. Elon spelled it out even clearer. If you have an experience or idea you want to share, you take all the facets, all the emotions, all the feelings, all the sounds, visions, smells, tastes, intuitions, intentions, all those dimensions, and you compress it all way down into little one bites of information called words. Words will always pale in comparison to their originations. The truest, purest, fullest form of any of your expressions will always get lost in translation. Especially since on the other end, the person listening or half listening to you then has to decompress your verbal file of words that they think they hear and filter it through their views and personality, corrupting everything even further. I'm expanding a bit here on what Elon said, but the compression-decompression concept with regards to communications was all his. Within all that, 
we can start to see the elements involved in traditional human communication. So you have something that originates from within you, feeling, a concept, etc. Ideally, coming from your heart and going into your mind. Then you have the transmission outside, which is speaking, signing, or writing via words. Then you have the reception by the listener, their ears, their eyes, etc. And then you have the interpretation within the listener via their minds and ideally their hearts. Understanding that process, we are able to then see clearer what's involved in telepathic communication. You have something that originates from within you, from your heart or mind, that directly emanates fully intact as is to the heart or mind of the receiver. It's simple, complete, precise, and cuts out a bunch of steps and possibilities for misinterpretation. How does this transfer of information happen without the need for neural implants? I got the answer to that one when I started to reflect back on my animal communication stories. I have even more stories than the ones I shared, and I realized they all started happening after I learned Reiki. What did Reiki introduce me to that I had no knowledge of prior? The scientific fact of how we are all indeed connected. I've spoken of this before, but in short, it is a fact that wherever there is an electric current, there is a magnetic field that emanates out from that electric current. And the two are interactive, meaning if you change the current, it changes the field. If you change the field, it changes the current. And scientists theorize that these magnetic fields emanate out into infinity. And perhaps I even remember reading somewhere that they travel at the speed of light. Pretty cool stuff. What's even cooler is that we have all these little electrical currents running all through our bodies. Each current creates a magnetic field, and all our magnetic fields emanate out into one another. So all of creation exists within a sea of magnetic fields created by all things. We are, in fact, all connected always. Furthermore, and this I know from personal experience, every magnetic field doesn't just carry information, it is information. Every vibration holds itself as the true form from which it was created. We exist within an unlimited bandwidth of totally free, universal information. If you've ever given or received Reiki, you know that your information, your emotions, your blocks, all of you is available for others to experience and understand. When I connect with someone's energy, so to speak, which includes their magnetic fields, I get what I call downloads of information. I mostly experience them as feelings, strong emotions that are fairly easy to interpret. But things also come through via lights, images, and sometimes even sounds and smells. This is telepathy. 
For those of you who don't have experiences with Reiki, I guarantee that you have still had plenty of telepathic experiences. Ever been out in public and you suddenly turn around because you intuitively know somebody is staring at you? Ever been walking out in nature and gotten a clear intuition not to go a certain way or to yes, go a different way? Who's sending that information? Nature spirits? Guardian angels? Territorial Sasquatch? And as I've mentioned in a recent show, ever meet somebody and even before either of you says a word, you know if you like them or not, trust them or not, want to be near them or not. And this goes beyond interpreting social cues, body language, or their actual words. With vibratory fields that emanate from us being the truest and most complete expressions of us, it's no wonder ETs, Sasquatch, and heavenly beings use telepathy as the preferred mode of communication. Telepathy, then, is simply recognition that these vibratory fields of information exist, that they are everywhere, that we are immersed in them, and that we can tune into and understand them as easily as we can understand our own emotions. Which leads to a great starting point in learning how to become more telepathic. I know, also from personal experience, that the more you can get in touch with and understand your own emotions, the information of your own internal vibrations, then the more you will be able to understand the vibrations of others. And in researching further on the topic, I found that there is scientific evidence to support this notion. This is a fun fact that I had forgotten until I came across it again on the HeartMath Institute website. I immediately recognized HeartMath as a scientific researcher of the heart from Tom Shadyak's serious movie, I Am, as opposed to his funny Jim Carrey ones. By the way, I Am is a great movie on the core issue of the world and what would change things. Back on point, did you know, and I quote, the heart's electrical field is about 60 times greater in amplitude than the electrical activity generated by the brain. 60 times greater is no joke. Emotions are the language of the heart, the informational vibrations of the heart, and the corresponding magnetic fields of the heart. Scientifically, the math says thoughts are one-sixtieth of whatever your heart has to say on any matter. With the heart having a 60 times greater bandwidth than the mind, it stands to reason that if you want to receive and transmit information telepathically, why use the dial-up modem of your mind when you can use the fiber optic channels of your heart? Perhaps Elon Musk's Neuralink team is focusing on the wrong organ with its computer implants. Sure, they're promising for those with serious brain injuries, but for augmenting information processing, the heart seems to be where it's at. Kind of makes the old depictions of telepathy that show waves going between minds obsolete. A better diagram would be of hearts connecting and the truest meaning of having a heart-to-heart. 
off the bat and very related, I'm going to guess that it's overall much easier for girls to learn telepathy than guys. Yes, we are all emotional beings, but society as a course of habit still has a tendency to repress male emotional expression. I wonder if even more paranormal activity happens around girls. I mean, if I was an entity from another dimension on a quick visit to Earth, I'd go to the person who was more likely to understand me emotionally, vibrationally, telepathically. In fact, I was just listening to one of the latest episodes of Strange Familiars, number 172, entitled The Weird Lights, where Tim and friends were out on another night trip to the infamous Site 7, a private place of high strangeness. Tim was surprised that even though it was the off-season for activity, they saw, I believe, more mysterious lights than ever and closer than ever. The obvious reason and variable to me, since I was already starting to think about all this stuff, was that they had a girl with them this time. Normally, it's mostly the boys. So in my opinion, everyone should be thanking Laura for the eventful outing to Site 7 and for exemplifying the benefits of being a more emotional being, especially when it comes to paranormal stuff, but probably regular life stuff too. For those of you looking for even more avenues to learning telepathy, beyond getting more in touch with your internal energies via your emotions and heart, beyond getting more in touch with others' external energies via learning Reiki, I think P. Horsley, our animal communicator, has an amazing approach. She has a 13-minute guided meditation for you to practice telepathy with your own animals or animals of your close friends. It was part of her interview with medium Julian Jenkins on That's the Spirit. I'm planning on putting a week or so into this to see if it's a path or side path I'm supposed to explore. But those of you interested in doing the same, I've included a link to the meditation in the show notes. And for those of you who have the time and want to try the meditation now, I connected with P and Julian and they were both gracious and totally cool about me including the meditation as part of this show. So, if you stick around at the end, and you're not driving or operating heavy machinery, you can jump right into the meditation and try out your telepathic skills. Finally, if none of those methods for developing your telepathic skills resonates with you, my final suggestion for you UFO lovers out there is to try Dr. Stephen Greer's Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, or CE5 meditation. I've mentioned it a number of times on other episodes, and I'll include a link to that as well. The CE5 meditation is essentially, telepathically, calling out to UFOs to have them appear so you can then interact with them telepathically. From the recent documentary-type movie of the same title, They show a few examples of people communicating telepathically with the inhabitants of the spacecrafts, as evidenced by the UFOs changing directions in response to the mental requests, or probably more appropriately, the heartfelt requests of the meditators. As I reflect back on all this, I can't help but think that telepathy 
may be one of the most important skills for us to develop. Not just to interact with the paranormal more, or our pets more, but to interact with each other more. If we are currently communicating in a limited capacity that is the equivalent to an old dial-up modem due to the limitations of words themselves, then I imagine if given the opportunity, we'd all want to upgrade to not only a much faster and greater bandwidth, but a more authentic one. Perhaps that is one of the lessons, the reasons why the paranormal interact with us, to encourage us open-minded individuals to develop our telepathic skills. I certainly never thought about any of this seriously before my supernatural explorations, but in wanting to now understand more, I can't help but want to develop all my related skills and telepathy seems like a major one. Anyway, I sincerely hope all that was thought-provoking and helpful. Before I wrap up and get to P's meditation, I'd like to give a shout-out of thanks here to my friend Todd Devlin for great feedback on me not interrupting the flow of the show with side stories. He told me he should save all those for the end. It interrupts the flow. He was right, I listened back and changed one of my shows because of his suggestion. With that, here's a related detail that didn't quite fit in with the flow of the show, but was a point I thought important to consider and maybe even get the answer to. In Dr. Greer's CE5 movie, he talks about staged alien abductions by us, humans, to promote fear and set the stage for a fake interplanetary war and as crazy as that sounds not so crazy when you consider all the other wars started by staged events what I'm curious about is considering the number of abductions where the ET spoke telepathically what is the mode of communication for the staged abductions do some abductees remember everything seeming like an alien abduction except that the aliens spoke to them with actual words? I hope someone knows the answer to this. Dr. Greer, somebody else perhaps. Because if it's true, then we can start to weed out the real extraterrestrial contacts from the fake ones, and it could put the kibosh on further staged abductions. Just food for thought there. Something I thought worth mentioning. And now, for those of you who want to try out P. Horsley's guided meditation, as featured on Julian Jenkins' show, That's the Spirit, I'm going to turn things over to her for 13 minutes before wrapping up. The meditation she is about to lead you in is from her third book, Animal Communication Made Easy. You can also find more information about P., on her website, animalthoughts.com. Without any further ado, here's P. Great, lovely. All right, everybody. So just think of an animal now in your life, in a physical body. 
If you don't have an animal in physical body at the moment with you, then you can think of an animal that's passed over that you love. But if possible, an animal in physical body. And they don't need to be with you in the room right now. That's okay. And I would like you to mentally ask them, can I merge with you and see things from your point of view? And just wait for a response. And as long as you don't feel any resistance there, then you can take that as a, yeah, that's okay. So close your eyes. And as best you can, picture the animal that you've chosen in front of you. Try and visualize as best you can their face and features. Notice the length of their whiskers, the size of their paws, the shine of their long, lustrous mane. See them standing, perching, or sprawled out in front of you and say to them silently in your mind, thank you for being with me. And if you're not a particularly visual person, don't worry. Just have the intention that they are there with you and remember how they look. And now imagine that you are shrinking down into a tiny version of yourself, shrinking down into your chest area. So you're becoming a much, much smaller version of yourself while your outer body is remaining exactly where it is. And now you might want to morph into a tiny dot of light, which might be easier to, to retain. Or if you prefer, you could be a fairy, a unicorn, an elf, whatever image you can hold with your mind. And now float slowly up your chest into your neck and then into your head. And at the top of your head, you'll notice there's a trap door. It can look anywhere you want it to be. Just be as creative as you like. Open the door. And now as this tiny dot of light fly out of the top of your head and over to the top of your animal's head, your animal that's in front of you. And they have a door at the top of their head too. So open your animal's door, slip inside and close the door behind you. Also at this time, be open if your animal changes their mind and asks you to leave, just respect that and then return to your own body, closing both the doors. Hopefully they'll find this really enjoyable. So float down now into your animal's chest area 
and allow them to get used to the feeling of you being there. You're now as one with your animal. You are your animal. When you ask them to do something, you'll be doing it as them inside their body while your body remains back where you left it. Slowly glide up to their eyes and for the first time in your life, look through their eyes. Amazing, isn't it? You'll have lost all sense of your own sense of sight and will be seeing things entirely differently from their perspective. Notice what they can see and how they can see it. Notice if you're close to the ground or high up with a panoramic view. Now focus on their protective coat, the fur, hair, feathers or scales of your friend. How does it feel to be wearing their coat? What does it mean to them? Now ask your animal silently in your mind, what do you like to do for fun? And as your animal, allow yourself to do that fun thing. Go with the flow and whatever you feel your animal wants you to experience. Notice how it feels to do this fun thing. Become aware of why your animal enjoys it so much. And be open. The reason they enjoy it may not be the one that you think. Now picture your human standing in front of you and shouting at you or telling you off, saying words like, shut up, or will you get out of my way? And as your animal, notice how you feel. What do you feel physically when someone you love talks harshly to you? Now picture your human standing in front of you and saying words of adoration, like, I love you. You're so special. As your animal, notice how you feel. What do you feel physically when someone you love talks kindly to you?
Now take a moment to let your animal know just how much they mean to you and why you're so grateful that they're in your life. Ask them gently, do you have a message or gift for me? Do you have a message or gift for me? And openly receive whatever comes to you. It may be something physical or an emotion, an image, or some words. Accept gratefully anything you receive and say thank you. Now prepare to leave your animal's body, knowing you can return whenever you are both willing. So let them know and say to them, I'm going to leave your body now and float up to the top of their head. Open the trap door there. Fly out and close the door behind you. Then fly back to the top of your own head. Slip inside and close the door at the top of your own head. Then glide down into your chest area. And with your eyes closed, picture again your animal in front of you. Notice how your perspective has changed and now you're viewing them from where you sit and again, thank them, say, thank you for doing this exercise with me. Gently dissolve the image of them before you and allow them to carry on with their business. Bring your focus back to yourself and that tiny dot of light in your chest. And start morphing back into that tiny version of yourself. Then expand outwards to fill every part of your body. Bringing yourself back into your body awareness. Take a few seconds to move your fingers and toes. Take a slow deep breath and release it. And when you feel you're fully back, 
gently open your eyes. Thanks a lot, P. Okay, that's really it for this episode. If I do make any progress with P's telepathy training with my cat Little, I'll be sure to share. Till next time, everyone. Peace.